Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Soik! It's all good. It's all good. Uh, to be completely transparent and fair, I was talking with Adrienne about mulling it over, about switching up. That's my bad. But uh, going to be honest, the reason we didn't do that is because, Johan, I'm going to move this bad Jackson. It's going to move this is because, honestly, the Lord gave me a whole fresh batch of messages for agreements that's going to take us through Easter. So get ready. There are more things to be broken off of us. Amen. Hey, real quick, can I just pastor you for a second? Five people. Fantastic. Surefire sign of Christian, surefire sign of Christian maturity is when you can be just as excited to give as you are when you receive. Worship, we're stoked. Worship, we're lit. Worship is excited. We're all for it because we are basking in the presence and the glory of God and we are doing something. We are co-laboring. We are ushering the presence of the Lord. He is meeting with his people and he is falling on us like a blanket from heaven. And it's amazing. And not only is he receiving glory, but we are receiving in exchange our dirty for his glory. And it's an amazing moment. But even babies love getting mom and dad time. Christian maturity is when you are just as excited to give as you are to receive. I love being your pastor because you let me get away with so much and you receive it so well and then you actually implement it and I love Takeover Church because of that. Come on. Oh, man. And another sign of Christian uh, maturity is learning how to set your clocks back, be at church on spring forward because we are the only country landmass in the universe that recognizes the 23 hours. I have no idea how this works. Oh, my gosh. All of a sudden, an hour went missing. Where? How did that happen? It's been spinning for... Oh, jeez, come on. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, this morning, no, we are continuing our series, Agreements. Somebody say agreements. Agreements. And I got to say this, too. What just happened here with Lori with the glory, where we came around her, that's called the church, y'all. That's called the church. That's called we break program for a person. That's called we stop this whole show. We take it off the road for a minute. We go off-roading with the Lord, and we surround one of our own. Amen. Come on, somebody. How many of you know, as a sheep, it's awesome when your shepherd checks your paths, but when the rest of the sheep are coming around, seeing how you're doing, that's new levels, baby. That's new levels, baby. That is a farm. That is an institution. That is an organization. That is a family. That is a people that God will come, and he will visit. And not only will he visit, he will stay. He takes a farm and he turns it into an inn and he comes and rests. Lori, I freaking adore you. I adore you. All right, enough of that. I'm going to cry and I'm upset about that. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. But the Lord is, is just doing things. So this morning we're continuing our series, Agreements. Somebody say agreements. agreements. Fantastic. Now that we are all in the talk back mode, cool. Title of my message, where's my note takers? Note takers, I adore you. Sign of Christian maturity. Taking notes. There you go. I'm just going to phrase everything I say with a sign of Christian maturity, and I'm just going to have you line it up and be like, oh, Matt's not making dumb jokes anymore. He's just telling us, like, we need to grow up. So, actually, today is all about growing up because the title of my message is, y'all ready? ready? Hold fast. Hold fast. Would you just turn and tell your neighbor, hold fast? 
And would you turn and tell your second choice neighbor, oh, you definitely need to hold fast? <laughs> oh, you definitely need to hold fast. I saw you come in at 1035. You need to hold fast. Like, oh, man. Oh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Come on, somebody. Oh, man. Golly, you guys are great. All right, hold fast. Y'all ready for Bible? Ready. Well, I hope you are because I literally have 20 verses. Yo, I'm not even kidding. I'm about to exegesite all. That's not how you actually say it. It's exegesis. But I'm about to exegesite. It sounds better. I wish that at some point in time somebody asked me my opinion on words because I'm like, exegete? Exegesis? Like, it doesn't flow for me. So I'm going to say exegesite. Anyways, uh, let me break that down for you real quick. There's like three styles of preaching, okay? There's me where it's exegesis, where I'm going to take a piece of scripture, and I'm, we're probably going to go through the whole thing. At some point in time, I'm going to hit every single part in there, and we're going to see the glory of God fall. Then there's topical preaching, where you got somebody who has an idea or a topic, right? And then they get like 16 verses, and they want to back up their opinion. Exegesis is when I back up God's opinion. Topical is when you're trying to get God to back up your opinion. I'm not shooting shots at nobody, okay? That's fine. Do your thing, chicken wing. It's all good. You know what? We all need some crazy things. Uh, anyways, and then there is narcissism, which we should all abstain from, which is where you decide to take the scriptures and place yourself in every single story as Jesus and not as, obviously, everybody else. <laughs> okay? Story of Judas? We're Judas. Just so everyone knows. We're not Jesus. Like, Jesus is awesome, and it's a really good principle to take that we should, you know, tell our enemies, hey, Come to do what you did. Kiss him on the cheek and let him betray you. That's really great. But ultimately, the grace and the point of that story is that we're, we're, we're Judas and, and, and Jesus loves us. Amen? No matter what. That's amazing. Come on, somebody. So I'm a bit of a, yeah, I'm an exegesis kind of guy myself. But anyways, that's because I think God is much better at this pastoring thing than I am. So I'm going to back up what he says, and uh, we're going to let him rip. Sound good? So you ready for 20 verses? All right, it's Hebrews 6. You ready? Yo, let's go. This is going to be awesome. This is the most amount of scripture I've ever done. This goes against everything I tell my uh, preaching staff. Um, and uh, I still think you guys should never do this. So let's go. Do as I say, not as I'm doing right now. All right. Somebody say, therefore. Therefore. All right. You know what? We're going to stand for the reading. I'm kidding. All right. Therefore, let us leave the elementary. Come on, somebody. It's going to be on the Big Sky Bible up here too, by the way. Yo, can you give it up? Oh, who I got back there right now? I got Phil. Come on. I got Michael. Come on. Yo. I got some godly men back there just holding down service. Let's go. Oh, come on. Come on. And I got to tell y'all, you think Kayla's just bomb at singing and doing keys? If you ain't serving yet, she crushed Team Rally this morning. I'm sitting here like the glory left after she was done. We got it back. It was good. But, you know, it took a minute, so I'm glad that I'm riding on her wave right now. Hebrews 6, 1 through 20. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and of instructions about washing and the laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. This we all do if God permits, for it is impossible. Somebody say, it's impossible. impossible. For it's impossible in this case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the son of god to their own harm and holding him up to up to contempt 
For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop that is useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receiving a blessing from God. Is anybody here ready to receive a blessing from God? Then get your land ready. But if it bears thorns and thistles, come on somebody, if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Is anybody sure of better things this morning? For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish but be imitators. Not sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly, who are we? Who are we to God that he thinks he needs to show us more convincingly? What an honor. What a privilege. I am dirt. But he calls us his image. And he wants to be more convincing for us? I am chief sinner Matt freaking McClure. And yet he wants to be more convincingly to me? Is anybody just grateful for the grace of God in their lives this morning? Because I am increasingly aware every single day that I am undeserving of what Lord Jesus is doing in my life. Why is he messing things up? Holy Spirit, stop. Here we go. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Somebody say it's impossible for God to lie. Get that on the inside of you this morning. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into that inner place that is behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold fast. We're going to pray, and we're going to let the Lord just rip. Sound good? Fantastic. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, right now, more than anything, Father God, we don't thank you for your promises. We, although they are great and they are exceptional and they make our lives beautiful and meaningful, God. But we don't thank you for your promises this morning. No, 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 God. God, 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 we're not the type of people who want the gift but not the gift giver. God, we thank you that you yourself are the promise. Father God, right now, we just position our hearts, Father. We position our hearts to receive from you, Father God, right now, God. Come and have your way in this place. Whatever it is, Father, we are up for the gift exchange. We are up for the our dirty for your glory exchange, Father God. Today, God, we are so grateful that you call us sons, that you call us daughters, that you call us the Imago Dei, your image in the earth, Father God. So come, Lord, make us more into that image. Come today, Father God. We are ready 
Father, like Isaiah said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And Father, we are here to hear you. Come rest on us. Come move in this house, Father God. We thank you that your presence is here. Your presence is here and it is resurrecting past right now, God. We thank you that your presence is here. It's resurrecting bodies right now, Father God. God, we thank you, God, that you're not just this emotional healer. You are a physical healer. God, you're not just a physical healer. You are a spiritual healer. God, we thank you, Father God, that your word says that you came to reconcile all things back onto yourself. So right now, Father God, we are bracing ourselves for further reconciliation. And by brace, I mean we are on our knees and we are ready for you, God. Come, move, shape us, shake us, and leave us looking better than we came in today. And by that, I mean more like your son, Jesus. I need every single Christian in this room who is ready to give the devil a beat down. I need you to give the loudest amen you've ever given in your life. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Hold fast. Somebody say hold fast. Hold fast. Okay, here we go. We're going to do some things today. Okay, so like I said, I was talking to Adrian earlier this week, and I was like, I don't, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to suss this out with the Lord. I'm like, I'm feeling like we're going to leave behind what we were doing in agreements. I don't know how I can top last week, to be honest. And, and, and then I was, and, and I was just kind of going like, what, how, do I, how do I move beyond this? How do I get past that uh, prerequisites and promised land? Was anybody listening to prerequisites and promised land? Were you here last week or did you check it out during the week? Come on, somebody. Prerequisites and promised land. Check that out. Every Christian, and I don't care. I'm, 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 this is a humble brag right now. Every Christian needs to hear that because you know what? It's not the Matt's glory. It's the God's, and it's for your benefit, not my ego. You need to check that out. YouTube, Spotify, wherever. Prerequisites and promised land. But here's the deal. As I was sussing this out with the Lord, I was like, where are we going? And he was like, we ain't going, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean, Lord? And he was like, no, 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 we're just going to shift perspective. And I was like, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. He was like, ah, oh, we got Easter coming up. And when Jesus had his chance to break agreement with me, he didn't. He's like, so now we know we're going for Easter. And I was like, okay, so I see the beginning and I see the end. I see what we're happening. What are we doing now? And he's like, this is the moment where we take a shift. Somebody say, take a shift. I didn't entirely think that all the way through before I said it. I promise that's actually an accident. My bad. My bad. Um, sweet Lord, come help me. That was an honest action. I am embarrassed. Wow. Holy, how many times you going to catch me this red without being sunburned? You know what I'm saying? Uh, which is every day of the winter and summer. Um, so, <laughs> story for another time. But there's a shift that's happening. You see, the Lord really pointed out to me. He was like, Matt, we have looked at a lot of agreements that we've made with the wrong things. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of smart. And he was like, we, we looked at things that we need to break off people's lives. And I was like, right. And he was like, but now we need to turn our attention to the agreements, the good agreements that we need to start making, the God agreements that we need to start making. There are a lot of, and here's the deal, even more importantly than the good agreements or the God agreements we need to start making, we need to start looking at the agreements God made with us. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? So that's where we're going. Now through Easter, baby, we ain't sitting here wasting any more time looking at our, our faults, looking at our fractures, looking at the things that we've done that have been stupid and have stunted us and have held us captive. No, 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 because you shall know the truth. His name is Jesus. And then guess what? The truth will. Oh, you're such a good church. 
You're such a good church. They know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Shets you. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm real worried about S-words now. Uh, real worried about it. Just making sure I'm good. Hold fast. So I love this portion of scripture. So before this, um, and Michael might flash this up, we're not going to get into it. Moments before this message, see here, the writer of Hebrews is, is Paul. Anybody know Paul? Paul, the apostle Paul, he's the man, right? Okay, chief, chief sinner among everybody, but was also chief, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was really high up in the Jewish hierarchy and was basically a mercenary and went around killing Christians, okay? Like that was pretty much what he did. Uh, and stoning people, pulling you out, he was hunting you. If he found little Jesus fishes, okay, it meant you were a follower of the way outside your house and that means he was gonna burn down your house with you in it or pull you out into the streets and stone you to death. Like that was Saul and then he met Jesus and he became Paul. Are we all caught up to speed? That's who he is, cool. I love his story, but man, I preach about Paul all the time and I don't wanna keep like, rehashing it, so I'm glad that we're catching up. But anyway, so here's Paul, writer of Hebrews, and he knows his audience. He knows his audience, and it's in this moment that you've got to understand, context is king, amen? I love context. Context makes everything better, because honestly, God, the Bible is so much better than we think it is, okay? I don't care what stupid YouTube video the BBC puts up going, is the Bible relevant? Yes, BBC, it's relevant. It's more relevant today. It's been the same relevancy the entire history of the world, like, Stop, okay? I'm so over the world, okay? I'm over it, but God's called me to be in it, okay? But not of it, you know what I'm saying? So here's Paul, and he knows his audience. That's why it's called Hebrews. You see, Paul right now, he is writing to Jewish converts. He is writing to Jewish converts. And why I just mentioned uh, Michael in a second is that there's a Hebrews uh, 5. It's like 11 through 14. You might see it flash up because I'm going to reference it a couple times to set this thing up. You see, the amazing thing about uh, all of Paul's writings is that these didn't actually come in chapters like, you know, society did that. The early church did that. They broke it up for, for the right way of kind of like delivering meat. Is anybody ready for some meat this morning? Come on, somebody. Well, it's a good thing because what happens in Hebrews is this big, long letter, and it's amazing. And uh, so what would happen is you basically, you get this whole badge action from whoever's overseeing your church and overseeing who's your pastor, who's your apostle. And he'd read through the whole thing, or, or, or Paul would show up and he'd do the whole thing. And it was this amazing thing where we would preach and we'd have service for hours. And people are looking at me like, don't you do it. You got it easy with me, Okay. Paul once preached so long, okay, that no joke, into the wee hours of the night, the Bible says, and there's this boy, he's a boy, he's like 12 years old, his name's Eutychus, falls out a window, dead. Well, he fell asleep and then fell out of a window, dead. Then everybody had to go outside, lay hands on him, bring him back to life, and Paul continued preaching. So you got it easy with me. I don't want to hear it, okay? But best believe, the Holy Spirit starts revving it up like that. We going in, 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 okay? It's going to be good. But here's the deal. He knows his audience. And he is preaching to Jewish converts. And while that, why that is so imperative, today's message into us as the church today is this. These are Jews. These are Jews. These are God's chosen people first. These are Jewish converts who have been like, wait, 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 wait. I thought, I thought the Messiah was going to come and he was going to come for Jews and he was going to burn all the Gentiles to the ground and he was going to overthrow the, uh, the Roman Empire and I thought this was how it was going to go. 
And so here we are, and we have Jewish church members. We have Jewish converts. We have converts that he is trying to take from Jewish converts to Christian disciples, that there is a difference, friends. And this is what Paul is attempting to do in this moment. But we have these Jewish converts who are still completely confused as to, wait, 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 wait. So all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene from Nazarene of all places, and he doesn't come on a chariot of fire. No, no, he comes on a colt, on a donkey, He's not born as a beautiful king coming into the world with a giant sword to slay everybody. This go around, it will happen. But instead he comes through a virgin in a manger. Like they are, they are completely flabbergasted. Great word. They are completely flabbergasted and blown away by what this means, which is why they were so hard to believe it. It was so hard for them to wrap their heads around that he would not only come for Jews, but for sinners. Not just Jews, but for Gentiles. Not just Jews, but for all of mankind. And so while this is important, is because Paul is trying to teach people, trying to steward people, trying to disciple the people who thought they were God's chosen people. But God decided he wanted the entire world. So Jesus came, he died, he resurrected, in between those two moments, he kicked the devil in the teeth, took back keys to all of eternity, and he made a way for every man and woman who would bow their knee, call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of life, to spend eternal life with them in heaven, but have worldly life here with him as well. And the Jews, it was the hardest thing for them to get their head around. And so in this moment before this, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 5, all of a sudden Paul is writing to them. He is like, you undiscerned, immature people could you imagine just getting lit up like if i just pulled you aside and was like you indiscerned undiscerned immature people this is what paul is doing right now he is sitting him down he was saying all you've done all you've done this entire time has you have drank milk you have feasted on milk you have consumed milk you have not got any meat on your bones because you haven't, any, haven't consumed any meat at the lord's supper you have not grown you undiscerned immature people you see the jews they thought jesus would come and he would overthrow the roman empire just like a lot of Christians today are hoping Jesus will come and overthrow the government. You see, men, women, Christians, Jews alike, we are all about an outside plan, but God's always been an inside kind of man. And so while God is all about taking over, he's not about overthrowing. Friends, this is why we need to disciple people. This is why we need Christians who are politicians. We need Christians who are mothers. We need Christians who are fathers, not the other way around. Hear me today. The most important descriptor for you is the word Christian. The Jews, they wanted an outside-in kind of plan, but God has always been an inside-out kind of man. That is who he is. He is all for the takeover, but it comes from this on up, not from this on down. He could have. He could do it like this. Absolutely. But you know what? 
He wants some kids, and he wants those kids to grow up, and he wants them to be full maturity in Christ. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. He wants them to be discerned. He wants them to be mature. He wants them to be grown, and he wants them to bear the resemblance of his firstborn son, Jesus. And so Paul, I love this. This is important because these are people who honestly have a harder time believing Jesus than you and I do. Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? It's just like us. It's just like us. You see, we are a people who absolutely have all the faith in the world about the uh, immaculate birth of Jesus at Christmas time, don't we? Who loves the Christmas story? We do. We got all the faith in the world at the Christmas story that God was able to send Jesus through a virgin birth, but all of a sudden it's like, my leg's broken, we need to pray. Nope. <laughs> wait, wait, we got more faith to believe that God was able to, pa- to pause the sun for an entire day. Sun stands still. He was able to do that off the back end of a prayer, but he's like, hey, you need to go minister to your coworker and tell him that Jesus loves them. Nope. <laughs> you see, this is, this is really interesting to me because here we have Jewish people who have now come home to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're no longer Jews. They are Christians, just like the rest of us. And Paul is telling them, who I would say probably has the hardest belief track of everybody. It doesn't matter if you were raised in church or not. You have a radical encounter with the Lord. It's going to change you. It's going to shape you. It's going to make you new in an instant. You may not have everything cleaned up yet, but that's called sanctification. You and the Lord get together, have the Bible open, you'll do it. But here's these Jews, and they have the hardest time getting their head around this. And yet Paul assumes, how many love it when people assume? I love it. It's fantastic. And I especially love when Paul assumes, because he assumes this. You undiscerned, immature, unholy spirit listening people. And Paul assumes right here that as Christians we would be doing Christian things. Man, I don't really think that's too big of an assumption. Gonna be honest. I don't think that's too big of an assumption. It's kind of funny because Paul's like, no, 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 you're no longer Jews, you're Christians. And he's going, this is all milk. Right here in this moment, Paul calls healing people, laying hands on people, he calls that milk. For most American Christians, that's the meat. We're like, that's, we got revival, someone got healed. Like, we lose our minds for that. And Paul says, that's immature. That's basic. Yo, that is JV, and then there's varsity, bro. And we're all sitting here going, huh? Yo, it's freshman year. And he's like, no, 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 we got to go from freshman to senior. What are you doing? He's like, we got to grow beyond this. And I believe the same thing that Paul was preaching to the Jews at the time is the same thing God's trying to get through the ears of the American church right now is that we have got to get off milk. We have to be a people of discernment and we have to grow into the person of Jesus. You see, I love this because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to be pretty frank about a few things this morning, but frankness is going to cause us to grow and it's going to be good. Somebody say, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Here's the deal. The word Christian is what we are. I'm a Christian. I hate cancel culture. I hate this idea in the world right now. I hate that I hear some of my favorite, and there's no shots, they are amazing, well-intended, 
Bible-believing and Bible-preaching men and women of God, but I am so sick and tired if I hear another preacher say, I'm just so, I'm just so hurt right now, like, I'm, I'm not even going to call, I'm so over the word Christian right now. Christian has such a negative connotation in the world today. You know what, I'm not a Christian, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. That's what we are. You want to know why? Because it's entirely possible, it's entirely possible to follow Jesus and never live out God's call for your life. It's entirely possible to be a follower of Jesus and never fulfill what Jesus actually went to the cross for you to have. It's entirely possible to be a Jesus follower, but never lead another person to Jesus. Come on, somebody. You want to know why? Allow me to give you subject in exhibit A. His name is Judas. Judas was a Jesus follower. Can I give you exhibit B? Christian, that's Peter. You see, the difference is, is Judas was a Jesus follower and Peter was a Christian. And Peter understood that Christian didn't just mean follower of Jesus or follower of the way. He understood that Christian meant, are you ready for this? Little Christ. Mini Christ. And how many of you know when you are labeled and you are called and God has brought you home and he has rescued you, it wasn't simply so you could say, you could play follow the leader, but we would play Jesus says, amen. This isn't follow the leader, this is Jesus says. And Jesus says, live as I live, died as I died, be better as I was better, grow as I grow, be hated as I was hated, be persecuted as I was persecuted, and the great works that I did, do even better. I appreciate anybody this morning. Judas was a Jesus follower. Peter was a Christian. Matt, what do you mean? Well, both of them denied Jesus. In fact, the Christian, Peter, he denied Jesus three times while Judas only denied him once. What does that mean? It means that Peter, the Christian, who understood he was a mini Christ, he was a little Christian, he was a little Christ, and Christ means Messiah, by the way, chosen one, by the way, sent one, by the way. This is what Christian means, mini sent ones, little sent ones, little brothers and little sisters of the big brother Jesus, amen? And so Peter, knowing that, that was the identity he lived in while Judas lived as a Jesus follower. Because Peter, he may have denied Jesus two more times than Judas did. Judas went on to kill himself because of shame. Peter went on to have his shadows heal people and be the leader of the early church. Friends, there's a reason, and again, this isn't shame on anybody. There's a reason that we can go on TMZ any given day and you can see a quote unquote celebrity Christian who goes to a celebrity pastor church and you don't see any real significant life change, it's because we have fed people milk that it's enough to be a Jesus follower and not be made like Jesus. We fed people milk. We've allowed you to drink at the table for far too long and just choose what you eat and choose what you drink. Friends, I don't have children yet of my own. We're still working on that. We're still practicing. We're still believing that the Lord will do something in that position for us, okay? But what I know about children is that if you allow them to dictate what they eat and when they eat, what they drink and when they drink, it won't be the milk that goes spoiled. It'll be the child that's trying to consume it. Friends, for far 
too long. We have sat at the table of the Lord and we have sat here and we have found ourselves malnutri- mal, how you say it? malnourished. Thank you. I was going to say malnutritioned. Well, it actually might work. Yeah, that is the thing. There we go. Malnourished. Praise God for some grammar people in the house. Let's go. Got like teachers and I got people who are like doctors and stuff. Like what is going on? Um, but we have sat at the table of the Lord for far too long and we have picked and chose what we like. And trust me, I am the most picky eater in the world. If you've ever had dinner with me, you have been offended by me. Like you understand that Matt eats meat and meat alone and the word of God. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. But this is exactly what happens. And this is exactly what Paul is describing. Paul goes on right here and he says this in the beginning of that verse that we just read. (laughs) He's like, we need to grow beyond the things of Christ. This, this is milk. This is milk. Paul, what are you saying? Forgiving my enemies? Yeah, it's milk. That's basic. Washing the feet of people who spit in my face? Basic. We can't even get away without subtweeting somebody in a fake spam account. And he's saying it's basic Christianity to wash the feet of your enemy. What about eternal judgment? We, we should, we should, this is something we should be consumed by, worried about. No, 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 your, your eternal judgment is already sealed. You know, your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. No, 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 you're good. What you need to do is now get some meat on your bones and grow beyond worrying about your own eternal damnation and now be consumed with worrying about your neighbor's eternal damnation. I thought this was our relationship. It is. Now go and give it to somebody else. Wait a minute, Paul. You're telling me go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, make sure you spell leper right. New sign will be here uh, tomorrow. In my own disclosure, I did copy and paste it from another thing. Anyways, I wanted to call it out. I love calling out the elephant in the room. So, it's good. Praise God. He fills in the gaps. I'm going to go heal some leapers. (laughs) You mean those guys that can jump real high? Them. They're Achilles, man. Their Achilles could use it. Come on. Uh, I'm going to go be a missionary in the Olympics. Uh, anyways, anyways, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a message for another time. See me after class. We'll talk about the Olympics. Anyways, Paul is saying this, this is all milk. This is all milk, and we have got to get some meat on our bones. And here's the deal. We hear this, and we think apostasy. We think this is something that, this is, this is leaving the faith. We think this is, no, 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 this is deconstruction, it sounds like, Paul. Paul, Paul, you cannot possibly say we need to move beyond Christ. We never graduate from Christ, Paul. We just got here, and understanding our entire reality has just changed. Our culture, how we date, how we marry, how we worship, how we sacrifice, our very destinies, everything we thought about. We just went from being his prized gem, his chosen people, to being equal with every other sinner on this planet. And now have to become to the end of ourselves and meet Jesus in that place, wholeheartedly give our lives over to him, and join the ranks of all these dirty, filthy heathens. And now you're saying we have to graduate beyond that? Do you understand the worldview of the people he is writing to? Context is king because context is better. 
And we as Christians, we hear this and we say, pause. We say, pause. We, gotta, we, we don't get, we don't, we're not throwing out Christ. Did you hear what Paul just said? He didn't say we throw out Christ. He said we must, we must grow beyond Christ. Matt, how is there anything beyond Christ? I don't know. But if it's in there, he said it, and he means it. And later on, and we'll get to it in a bit, he says, grow into the things of salvation. Christ is the key and he is the doorway and there is more beyond him. There is more beyond him. And Paul is saying into this moment, the rest of this, this, I assume that we're already doing this. As a Christian, I would assume that you and I, we have already begun this journey. I would assume that you are already healing people, that you are already going to all the nations. I would assume that you are already loving your neighbors and washing feet. I assume these things. But clearly, that's not been the case. And like I just said, when you allow children to choose what they eat and what they drink and when they eat and when they drink, it's not just the milk that goes bad. It's not just the milk that becomes spoiled. It's the child. I love this imagery. I love what Paul is saying here. He is saying we have been infants for two Long, There are things that can only be found further in salvation. What is that, Matt? What is beyond this? What goes there? I don't know for sure, but I know what I, know what I love. I know that I love those moments with the Lord that I don't get on a Sunday, that I'm just alone with, that I don't really get to share with anybody, but I get those personal moments with the Lord where all of a sudden he just visits me individually. I'm in my office, I'm in my room, I'm putting my socks on, and Adrian's like, why is it taking Matt eight hours to get ready? And I'm just up there having a moment with the Lord that I can't share, that I don't get to Instagram, that I don't get to show off to everybody and go, look at I'm reading my Bible. I don't have that. It's those sweet moments with the Lord where he tells you, hey, Man, I have got such significant plans for your life, but if you do not start watching your mouth, if you don't seriously start taking some for real inventory of what's coming out, you will shoot yourself in the foot and you will not finish the race set before you. And there are these moments with the Lord where he just sets me straight. And there's these other moments where I was just having this with the Lord and he was like, hey, you know I'm your friend, right? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I remember when Jesus was like, hey, you're no longer servants. I'm, I'm your friend and friends know the plans. Friends get invited in. Friends get brought close. And I didn't know this, but I needed a reminder that he wasn't just savior and he wasn't just Lord, but he was my friend. That he's my favorite person to hang out with besides Adrienne that, oh my gosh, wait a minute, we have this other part of our relationship that I've neglected for far too long. And I will tell you this, man, I love laying hands on people. I love seeing people walk. I love seeing these things happen. I love seeing people come alive in Christ for the first time. I love forgiving people. It's difficult depending on the size of the knife in my back. But ultimately, I know that I and them and everything else is better for it. But, but have you ever had a moment with the Lord that was just for you? grow into the things of salvation, those moments that I just have. Do you know it's another sign of growing into salvation? Revival. 
Because you can have a healing, you can have five healings, but that doesn't mean you have revival. See, revival is, you can have a lot of new converts coming to church. That's amazing. But revival, by definition, it isn't so much about the people on the outside of the church coming alive. It's about the church coming alive. It just happens to be we get really stoked and we burn really bright and people can't help but come be like moths to the flame. But revival is a return to the spirit. That's you and me. We are returning to the spirit. So we get set on fire and we can't help but burn bright. We can't help but shine for miles. We can't help but shine for all to see and see that we are a lighthouse set before the world for you to come and be rescued by. See, there are things in our relationships with Jesus that is beyond what Paul says is JV, is entry level. You see, we hear the word go beyond and we think left behind, leave behind, move on from. No, 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 this isn't go beyond as in leave behind, it's go beyond as in grow beyond. Graduate from, grow up in. The Bible uses the language all the time, we must grow up into salvation. That means there's more. That means you're not just saved and then left to your own devices. It means you're saved and then you are transformed and transformed and transformed and transformed. Friends, can I say something to you today that I think we all just need to get on the inside of us? Milk is informational. Meat is transformational. We've got a lot of informed Christians in the world. We need a lot more transformed Christians in the world. We got a lot of informed Christians in the church too. And we need, a not, we need a lot more transformed Christians in the church. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We got a lot of informed politicians in the world. What we need is a lot more transformed politicians in the world. We got a lot of informed fathers in the world. But what we really need is a lot more transformed fathers in the world. There's never been a more fatherless generation than this one that exists today. Not that you moms aren't doing great. You've been holding it down for far too long. It's time for men to step up. If you're a man in here, you said, yep, ladies, check your neighbors. One laugh, it's good. I love this. I love that Paul is just calling it how it is. You see, friends, here's the deal. If you exist on milk for far too long, you will become what Paul just says. He grows, he goes beyond this and he says, I don't want you to be sluggish. I don't want you to grow into being sluggish. He says it's impossible. Hear this, friends. He says it is impossible for those that were once awake, those that were once alive, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and those who have been enlightened and empowered by him. It is impossible that if you choose this day to scoot back your seat from the Lord's table, Climb down off that altar that you've been sat on. Leave that plate that he has placed before you. Reject that cup. And you choose to go and sit at another table, a lesser table, an empty table with empty people, with empty ideas, with empty sex and empty worship. And they will tell you that your emptiness defines you because of your empty past. And it will ultimately leave you more empty by what they feed you Paul is saying, it's impossible to bring you back to a place of repentance. He says, I don't want that for you. 
I don't want that for you, but that will happen if you stay malnourished, if you stay on milk, if you stay choosy, if you stay picky, if you stay choosy and picky before the Lord. You've already had the greatest prized meal in the entire universe. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And if you reject this, I can't bring you back. Not that God's not good to forgive. God's there. Jesus is still standing in the gap. He is a great intercessor of all time. He is here. He is always there. He's saying it's not Jesus that's going to have a problem coming back to you. It's you going to have a problem coming back to Jesus. Why? Because there is a threshold that you already passed that Christ was standing in to get to the other side. And then you chose to go back through that threshold to the other side. You left the table that's all about God and you went and sat at a table that's all about you. You went from righteousness to selfishness. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Paul is laying it pretty clear. He's like, it's, it's gonna be impossible because you are then re-crucifying Christ. This is some of the most for real language ever used in the scriptures, in my opinion. That's insane. That's insane. You're like, Matt, well, I struggle with doubt. Hold fast to the table. Well, Matt, I struggle with, I struggle with my identity. Hold fast to the table. Well, Matt, no, 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 I, I, I struggle with, I was brought up in this charismatic church and they were handling all these snakes and there was weird stuff going on and now I'm trying to, I'm living in a TikTok generation with Instagram being my Lord and a stupid Twitter page that's demonic that talks about deconstruction all the time. And I'm like, what do I do with all this? You hold fast to the table. When your eyes try to wander, you hold fast. When your body wants to wander, you hold fast. When you get ants in your pants at the table of the Lord, you hold fast, you grab your fork, and you choke down some meat. We have got to start feeding ourselves. Friends, what I know about hunger is hungry people eat. But are you eating the right things or the wrong things? Because you want to know about sluggishness? sluggishness that Paul says, I don't want you to be sluggish. I want you to be imitators of Jesus, imitators of God, imitators of the Holy Spirit. Paul once went as far as to say, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. If it's hard for you to understand, look at me, which I think is amazing because I would be canceled and kicked off social media if I said that. Please don't look at me though. You should probably look at Paul, okay? Sluggishness is caused two ways either by not eating, but only drinking and living off milk and liquids, or eating the wrong things. Both will make you sluggish. One will lead to you being lethargic and tired and weak, and the other one will leave you lethargic, tired, and full of the wrong things. And Christians, for far too long, we have settled for empty carbs at empty tables with empty people worshiping empty gods. I preaching to anybody this morning. So what does Paul say? What do we do, Matt? What do we do? I don't understand. What, what happens? How do, I, how do I remain at this table? Paul is saying, you've got to become an imitator. Like Slim Shady? What do you mean? 90s reference. What do you mean? I'm saying that when the rest of the world is putting down their forks, you hold on to yours. When the rest of the church is putting down their spoons, you hold on to yours. When you see people 
giving up on their faith because the world has gotten too dark and it's gotten too dim. When you see church leaders keeping their doors closed because of some sickness that God can easily heal if you just move in some faith and we just get you in a place today and we just lay hands on you and we rest on you and we actually just, you know, practice called being a Christian. This is basic to Paul. It should not be JV to us. What do we do, Paul? You hold fast. Friends, this whole thing is going to get crazier from this moment forward. You think this is crazy? It gets crazier. We know that. We've read the book. It's called Revelations. And what does the Christ-centered Christian church need to do? We need to say today, I'm not simply going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a little Christ. I'm going to do what my big brother does. I'm going to have faith like my big brother does. I'm going to have the commitment to God and to his house that my big brother does. I am going to lay down my life for the church, for my wife, for my husband, like the good big brother does. I'm going to finally awaken and decide today, I can't live on milk and milk alone. I need to get some meat on my bones. I love this image. Paul says, don't grow sluggish. Don't get down from that table. Don't exchange Jesus for 30 shekels of silver, which is roughly $600 today, by the way. $600 is what Judas gave up Jesus for. Well, Peter went on to lead the church. Be such a man of God that his shadow healed people. That he would stop at nothing while his brothers and sisters of Christ were being stoned and beheaded among him where the threat to give up was more real after Jesus than it was while Jesus was there. And this is what Paul invites us to imitate. Imitate. Man, we love the part where it's like, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. We love that part. We hate the part where it's like, no, die as Christ died. I thought this was... <laughs> but how you feel right now, these moments of worship, where Amy's just so anointed, and it's like heaven's trumpet is just in the room right now. Where Josh is up here just losing his freaking mind in the back and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and heaven is just in this room and in this space with us hold fast we have so many Christians who are holding fast just to arrive at heaven while God is saying no hold fast the fact that I'm trying to get heaven to arrive here this, this is what we are imitating. This is what we are reproducing. This is what we are trying to reciprocate. This is what we are trying to do. This is what we are trying to just get to manifest in this room that heaven would invade earth in such a way that we could not grow sluggish because we are so imitating of Christ seated next to the Father. And so Paul knows his audience. And I love this because Paul, he's one of the smartest guys in the entire Bible. Like he is so well-educated. He is so smart. He's well-studied. He's well-privileged. He had a lot of things just given to him, and he was just a brilliant. He was just a uh, prodigy, if you will. 
of Jewish leadership at the time. And so he says to these people, he says, this, this is all attainable. You can actually live the promises of God. And they're like, right now, you've just said a lot of things, Paul. Right now, you just lit us up, Paul. Right now, I'm feeling pretty offended, Paul. And he was like, yeah, 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 but get it. Get it. Somebody say, get it. it. Need to make sure you're alive out there. (laughs) Get it. (laughs) Get it. I like it. He says this. Paul's amazing. He says, just like Abraham. Abraham, who was patient. He goes, I don't want you to grow sluggish. I want you to be imitators, imitators of those who had patience and earnest diligence to hold on to the hope set before them so much so that no longer, no matter how long it took, no matter what they had to go through or how bad it ever got, they, because of patience and hope, they achieved and they received the promises of God for their lives. And see, he knows his audience. He knows the Jews because here's Father Abraham. You ever heard that one? Father, okay. Father Abraham, he is literally father of the Jews. He's a father of nations. And if you know this, Paul knows the story. His audience knows the story. You and I, if you read the Old Testament, we know the story. We're sitting here growing. We're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, I'm pretty sure that Abraham, maybe he was patient, but he certainly wasn't faithful all the time because I seem to remember that when he was 90 and Sarah was 70 and they still had yet have a kid that he stepped out on his wife, stepped into a bond servant's room and they sired a son. His name was Ishmael and he thought he had to go around God and Jesus juke his way into his promised land. And this angered God so much that God was like, dude, I'm not going to bless Ishmael. <laughs> and it literally, it took, it took Paul pleading before the Lord to get, for, to get God to change his mind. Which I think is absolutely amazing, by the way. That God loves his people so much that we could plead with God that he would change his mind. And so you're sitting here going, wait, 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 that doesn't sound like patience to me. Oh, he, was, he still was waiting. <laughs> it just wasn't faithful waiting. He was still resigned to God. He just had a moment of weakness where he thought the power was in his hands. Doesn't that sound like you and me? Doesn't that sound like you and me? Doesn't that sound like you and me when we have all of our own Ishmaels? I need to make the business happen. I need to make the marriage happen. I need to find the girl. I need to find the guy. I need to make all this happen for me. No one's going to show up for me but me. Come on, I got to get it. You a boss girl. You a boss man. Come on, boss up. Like that's the generation we live in. And it makes sense why we have a generation of Ishmaels and not a generation of Isaacs. But Paul, again, knowing his audience, what he says yes is next is absolutely amazing. Worship team, you can make your way up here. What he says next is absolutely amazing. Paul says to them, remember Abraham, remember Sarah, patiently waiting for Isaac. 
And their rebuttal was the same thing I just laid out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And Paul's like, yeah, that would be true if God's promises rested on our backs, but it rests on his. That would be true if God's promises rested in our hands, but they rest in his. That would be true if you could snatch the promises from the lips of God, but you can't. He breathes them into your life. That would be true if you and I were Lord, but we certainly are not, and that is God. What do you mean, Paul? You can patiently and faithfully, earnestly, genuinely, and even, I would say, honestly, transparently, and vulnerably, even with doubt, wait on the Lord. Because what happens next is this amazing thing that you and I, we need to take this to our bank. We need to deposit this into our life. We need to take this home with us today. Some of you, you need to write this on every single thing. It says this, God, he didn't promise Isaac. He didn't swear Isaac by Abraham's name. No, 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 because if God swore the promises that he has for you by your name, that means they would be based off your performance. But God's promises aren't based off your performance. They're based off his. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. He could have definitely have put every promise in your life. If he has spoken these things over you, man, if he said, Isaiah 535. No, 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 it's not by Jesus' stripes on the cross, but your stripes that you'll be healed. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said, no, 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 I've already held it against my son. He says, I didn't, I didn't, he didn't swear by you. He didn't swear by Paul. He didn't swear by Abraham or by Sarah. He didn't even swear by Isaac. God swore to and by himself. Paul's like, how many of us in a conflict, in a conflict, how many of us invoke the name of somebody greater and somebody higher than us to make sure the other side understands? No, I mean my word. On my mother's grave, I swear. I swear on my children's life. And this is what we come to our arguments with. This is what we come to our gift exchange with. This is what we come when we are frustrated and we want to see God do something in our life. And we're just saying, I swear, I swear, I swear. If this would just come about on such and such as life. God's like, don't I didn't swear by you. I sweared by me. Why can we hold fast? Because God didn't swear by you. He swore by him. So much so that Paul decides, he takes it one step further. He goes, Jews, we have this sure and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Well, Paul, how can, how can we be certain that God is a man of his word? God has always been a man of his word. And if you doubt it, you place this anchor named Jesus, who is sure and trustworthy for our souls. You place that at the foot of the table of God that you sit at, and you let that anchor you in place, and you hold fast, and you remain. You actively begin to participate in your faith. Sometimes eating meat looks like you actually participating in your relationship with Jesus. 
How many of you know it really sucks to be in a relationship that's one-sided? Imagine being the king of the universe and having millions of those. Do you want to know why Jesus called a sure and trustworthy anchor for our soul? Hebrews 6, 19. Because we are surely untrustworthy. We will move. We will be wavered. We, right now, we live in a time and a place where a lot of Christians have a lot of voices, but we have very few anchors. We've got a lot of voices. We've got a lot of words. We've got a lot of images. We got a lot of people saying, come and imitate me as I tear apart my faith. Come and imitate me as I broaden these doors. Come and imitate me as I throw out the scripture. And Paul is saying, no, imitate Jesus. Grow into Jesus. We need to take information and turn it into transformation. We need to go from experiences of Jesus into the person of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? That was a quick transition. friends we need to hold fast to the elementary things of Jesus and we need to hold fast to growing into the salvation of Jesus there are things beyond this there are things that Christians do and then there are things that Christians are not here simply to follow we are here to imitate what little brother did not want to be his big brother when he grew up what little sister did not want to be their big sister when they grew up friends this is what it looks like and these are the agreements we need to begin to make because here God he made an agreement but it wasn't on you it was about you but it wasn't on you. What he agreed upon was about you, but he agreed upon it onto himself. He made an agreement by his own name, by his power, by his strength, by his ability to save, by his ability to deliver, by his ability to set you free. That is what God made an agreement with. His ability versus our inability. And he's saying, remain at the table. You let Jesus be that anchor. You set that thing down and you go after everything that God has for you. I'm a lover of your presence. Yeah, but are you a lover of my table? God, I'm a lover of your presence. That's awesome. But are you a lover of what I'm serving? Well, God, I don't really like that. Yeah, but you just said you love my presence. But what about my prizes? God, I'm a lover of your presence. Yeah, yeah, but you want me to open the floodgates of heaven, but you won't even open your mouth to feed on what I'm trying to give you. This is graduation day, fam. Because we are a church. We are a church that is committed. We are a house that is committed. not here to be Jesus followers in Grand Rapids. 
We're here to be many Christs in Grand Rapids. I'm gonna preach to anybody this morning. We are gonna give our lives for this. We are gonna give our lives and our money and our resources and our worship and our time and our obedience, not our delayed obedience, which is still disobedience, by the way. We're gonna give it all. Our first response is always gonna be Jesus because we are gonna be people who are imitators of Christ, who are growing into our salvation. And when things get rocky, because they will, we're gonna hold fast to the truth of Christ. We are setting down an anchor. We are not following a voice. We are setting down an anchor that is sure and trustworthy because he swore it against himself and not against our performance. So right now, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. And we're going to hold fast to worship. We're going to sing and we're going to hold fast to the table. We're going to sing and we're going to hold fast to everything that is of Christ in us and everything else that he still has to give us. Amen. We're going to hold fast to our forks. We're not going to scoot our chair back. We will remain earnestly, diligently, and faithfully at the table because we are a people who will receive the promises of the Lord. team begins to sing, would you just close your eyes? I don't need you to bow your heads or anything, but just close your eyes. They're going to start singing. And we're going to start picturing. They're going to start singing and we're just going to sit here and we're just going to imagine that table with Jesus. We're just going to imagine that table with the Lord. And we're just going to sit here and we're just going to bask in his glory that we get to set across from a table that was prepared for us. We, we are his sons and his daughters. We feel like servants, right? But we didn't prepare a table for our king. He prepared a table for us. We didn't have to cook the meal. He did that. What is this, Jesus? What is this Holy Spirit? What is this King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Who is this Father God? He's the one that's prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of every other malnourished table that's available to you today. Some of us, we have been holding fast to the world, and today we're going to exchange that to holding fast to the Word. Some of us, we've been holding fast to our sin, and today we are going to start holding fast to our salvation. Some of us today, we've been holding fast to our past, and today we are going to start holding fast to our deliverance and our redemption that is only found in the person and place of Jesus, who redeems our past, rescues our future, and secures our identity and our eternity. Right now, as we sing, I just want to invite you to use your God-given imagination. And you bask in the presence of God. And you ask Him to meet you here in this place. If you need to go and stand with your face on the wall, you go and stand with your face on the wall. If you need to get on your knees here at the altar to do it, you do that. But whatever it looks like, as your pastor, I am inviting you into a special moment right now that I believe the Lord is doing in this room. And He is saying, put down the anchor at this table. Don't choose what milk. We're not a 2% kind of church. We're a whole milk kind of church. 
Well, God, I'm a vegan. That's great. We're still whole milk. God's saying, I've prepared this for you. That marriage you're about to enter into, all of you engaged people here, that's a marriage that needs to be anchored at this table. People battling pornography addiction, I prepared you a table. Pull up the anchor of trying to do it and set yourself free and drop the anchor of Jesus and remain seated with me. from that are full of promises that are not based on your performance and Jesus is pushing the cup across the table and he is saying partake with me have communion with me eat of the lamb the sacrificial lamb that I have prepared for you it's here and it's hot and it's ready and there are promises and there is meat and there are futures available to you and there is even things at this table that are so sweet that will put to death your past and resurrect your future. Friends, there's a dessert that goes beyond the main dish. There's a dessert that's prepared for you. It's the sweetest thing. It's the saltiest thing. It's the thing that will light you up, fire off every neuron in your body that will cause you to respond to the goodness of God when you taste and see it. You just have to earnestly remain at the table. I want to invite you today. Keep your head, keep your eyes closed. If there's anybody and you feel like, you know what? I haven't left the table, but I've been looking. I haven't left the table, but I've been looking. I've been voyeuring some other tables. I've looked around while I'm trying to have my attention on Jesus. I started hearing some things over here and it, it kind of tickled my ears and it kind of made sense and it got my attention. I looked to the right. Man, somebody else walked by. And they just had something that smelled so good. And it looked so good at the moment. Not what the Lord was serving. But it smelled good and it looked good and it got my attention. I started just nudging in my seat a little bit. Maybe some of us, we've, we've gotten as far with trying to leave the table. We've slid off the chair a little bit. We're still, we're still there. Like We got like half a butt cheek on. faith has just been real real low and, and we'll thank God for another day and we'll take a sip of grape juice we'll thank God that we have breath in our lungs and we'll take another drink of milk we might post a scripture on Facebook but we haven't really spent any significant time eating the bread of life if that's where you're at today any of those places I want to invite you to firmly sit at the table of the Lord. Once again, you haven't gone too far for God. You haven't fallen apart too far for God. You're not too far gone for God. There is a great intercessor. His name is Jesus, and he is at the table, and he sees your feet moving. He sees you shifting in your chair. Nothing goes unnoticed by God. You're not that quiet. You're not that stealthy. 
just been hungry for the wrong things. And so this is a moment. It's not just repentance. This is a moment to taste and see once again that the Lord is good. This is the moment where you scoot back in that chair and you say, you're right, God. You're right. My dirty for your glory, God. You're right. I've been malnourished, God. I want to be built up. I don't want to be sluggish. I don't want to be stifled. I don't want to be stagnant. I want to be in salvation. Whatever that looks like. Take me there. Somebody just say, take me there. Somebody say, sit me down, God. Sit me down, God. And right now, I hear the Lord saying something very prophetically, and I want to invite every single person in this room to say it. Lift up this. Say this. Serve me, Lord. Serve me, Lord. Serve me what it is. It's all about you and not about me. Serve me, Lord. As the worship team begins to sing, let's just keep that posture at this table. Come to the table. You are weird. Get comfortable. Come to the table. Serve me, Lord. Serve me, Lord. Serve us, Lord. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late.